Christmas will be extra special. This countdown to Christmas, Career Girl seeks job. You're hired. Good with grinchy bosses. I don't celebrate Christmas. You've got your work cut out for you. Consider me your Christmas cheerleader. And has a knack for Christmas miracles. Nothing is impossible at Christmas time. Thank you for giving Christmas back to me. Christmas Incorporated. On Hallmark Channel, the heart of TV. Welcome one and all to the first of the 2016 stocking stuffer edition here of the feminine critique i'm emily uh lacking today is my co-hostess with the mostest christine makepeace as um those of you who listened last year know uh, we do something a little different in december but for those of you who are new let me explain normally you get me you get christine you get us talking about movies it's wonderful uh life is happy and all that Come December, uh, we still may do a normal episode or so, but we are also going to be littering your pod feed with these uh, quicker takes on some of the Hallmark Lifetime Freeform, formerly known as ABC Family, channel Christmas movies. Why? I don't really know. I'm kind of weirdly obsessed with them. I used to watch them and think they were the stupidest things in the world, and I still do, but... You watch a few of them and suddenly you become kind of obsessed with it. I can't quite explain it. Um, But I've just found there is so much that is interesting about how boring they are, about how formulaic they are. Uh, I feel as though I've cracked the formula. I've actually improved it from last year. So what we do uh, for the newbies is we take one of these movies and give you a quick little synopsis of it. You kind of heard everything you need to know about the movie in the trailer that I played at the beginning. Uh, and then I kind of go through the 10 uh, main ingredients that you has to have to have in these movies. And I tell you if this movie had them. Now, uh, today it is just me. Uh, Christine will be joining for a few. But um, I watch a lot of these and I can only subject her to so many because I am a good person deep down. Uh you know, unlike a lot of the characters in these movies who are bad people but then learn to be good people, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to be that cruel to her. Uh, so it's just me. Apologize for the soloness of it if you hate my voice and only listen for her, you know, beautiful uh, little trills. Then you just wait for the next one, okay? God, geez, don't have to be mean about it. Now, full disclosure, it is November and I'm doing this. Uh, I apologize to myself, really, because I have long standing had a rule that I don't like to do anything Christmas in November. I think Christmas begins December 1st. It ends like January 6th or around there. Uh, But this year, things are going to be busy in December, so I'm trying to kind of pre-plan a little bit. The problem with pre-planning is I I, I find myself hating myself for certain things because I'm flipping around TV and I'm trying to find a few movies to review for this and Hallmark is the only one that's way um kind of insultingly ahead of the game uh Lifetime right now is still seems to only be airing movies about sleeping with stepsons and uh Freeform I don't know what they were airing Wally last night which as most of you know is one of my favorite movies of all time but you know it wasn't a movie about Melissa Joan Hart learning the true meaning of Christmas so it didn't help me in other ways So uh, for this one today, uh, we are looking at 2015, produced, of course, by the Hallmark Channel, and it is called Christmas Incorporated. Now, won't lie, totally picked it because of the title, because I figured, oh, 
the title is shouting that it's going to be an anti-business, uh, anti-industry movie. So I got to, you know, those are kind of my favorites because they were so angry. Uh, this one, I'm going to uh, first say and give full disclosure, this might have been the blandest movie I have ever seen in my entire life. Now, when I say bland, I really mean... All right, it's the equivalent of, let's say you go, uh, you have lunch at like an office party or something, where maybe the office has bought lunch for you. So it's just one of those, oh, walk into a room and there's a bunch of sandwiches and you take one. And the, the, the only sandwiches left, it's the like the American hero on like thick Italian bread with just ham and unripe tomato and bland lettuce and you you take it and there's no it's too hard to even put like oil and vinegar on it so you can't do anything to pretty up the sandwich you eat it it fills you up you're fine and then the next day you're thinking back over your week and trying to figure out like oh what did I do yesterday what did I do oh I'm writing in my food journal what did I have for lunch yesterday I have no fucking idea what did I have for lunch because it's that unmemorable and bland that it's just it's like it was nothing there So this movie is, it fills up your two-hour block with commercials. These are usually, I guess, an hour, like, 40 in total. Uh, It it gets that job done, but it is, there is no spark, there is no life, there is no personality. This is as flavorless a film as one can find. Uh, The plot is quite simple. We have young Riley, uh, played by Shanae Grimes Beach. I believe is her name. Most people would know her of all the people out there that would know her uh, as the sort of Brenda incarnate in the 90210 reboot. Uh, and she is kind of, um, you know, an actress that is going to be doing a lot of these movies, I think, because she's cute, um, you know, a little skinny thing. Uh, and she has this way of talking that just always sounds like she thinks she's being good. And I can't imagine her ever playing anything, any kind of character with any real uh, villainy to her. Like, she wouldn't even be good as the evil cheerleader because she's just not that interesting. So she is a young uh, female named Riley. And Riley is looking for a job, which is hard, right? We've all been there. We know how hard job hunting is. She's going around doing a marathon of stopping in offices and dropping off her resume and, you know, either being told she's too inexperienced or she didn't go to an Ivy League school and she just can't find anything. But then she ends up in the, at Young Industries or Young Incorporated. And this is a, you know, very well-known company and such. And she aces her interview. She kind of charms the, it's to be the assistant to William Young Jr., who is the handsome uh, head of the company who inherited it from his dead father. And she charms him, seems like everything's going to work out. And then she realizes, oh no, she wasn't the only Riley applying for the job. So they hired her in part based on another person's resume. But she's already got the job. What can she do? Should she say anything? She decides not to. Uh, Then she has to go with uh, her new boss, uh, her new handsome boss, I should add, to a small town uh, in order to oversee factory production of Christmas toys or something uh, and try to help turn things around. The big question is, is he going to close the factory that that is the only source of income for this tiny, charming town in Canada? Uh, Not Canada, but totally Canada. Uh, Can she help him discover that 
small towns are important and that there is a true meaning of Christmas. I don't want to spoil anything, but guys, I got a good feeling that she's going to teach him the true meaning of Christmas. So when we talk about these movies, we don't just, I don't just dilly-dally and give you details about things you really don't care about. Um, I have put together and perfected, I think, the list of things that these television made for a certain type of woman holiday films all have. And there are 10 key ingredients plus a few bonuses. Those who listened last year, I'm going to tell you, I actually tweaked things a little bit. Um, so I have some some substitutions, and I'll be curious what everybody thinks. I should mention before I start that, that this film is directed by Jonathan Wright, who basically has made a couple of these kinds of movies, but oddly enough, also served as the second assistant director on Urban Legend. So, fun fact for you. Now, the first thing, and generally the most important thing about these movies, is your lead. We know your lead is always female, and the most common type of lead actress we get in this is the lead in need of a lesson, right? Which is typically a corporate, all work, no play, no heart, but beautiful woman who needs to learn the true meaning of Christmas. Now, that's often the case. Uh, and of course, she is often played by an X90210 actress. Now, this is Generation 2 X90210 actresses, and it still holds. Um, but in this film, we actually get the alternative to that. There's sort of, that is your A, but there is a, if not A, then B, and if B, your alternative lead is a lead who is so good and earnest and innocent that she is going to teach somebody else a lesson about the true meaning of Christmas. And that's what we get here. Right, so Riley is just a, you know, young, hopeful, just wants a job, but also believes in Christmas and believes in miracles and all those things and kind of talks like that. Uh, I, I really hate her. I'm sorry. She's she's just somebody I know I wouldn't really be friends with in real life. Um, but have no fear. She will save the entire town. She will uh, save the soul of a handsome man. Uh, she will be told... And this is an actual quote from the movie, you saved Christmas for an entire town, so don't worry. And in the end, spoiler alert, she's going to get a company of her own to run. Because that's what it takes, ladies. One week of putting in the hours at a new company that where your boss is really handsome. And you, you know, within that, lean in, ladies. That's how it works. Now, the number two um, key thing we have is always you're setting one of three things. It is either the Big Bad City, a charming small town, or a magical winter wonderland. Uh, In this case, we start in the Big Bad City. And by start, I mean the establishing shot of the film is uh, clearly like um, something they have on file of Rockefeller Center and people ice skating. And I think that image is used in about 40% of these movies to say Manhattan. Uh, But it doesn't last, obviously. After that, it's just interiors of New York, which isn't New York. And then we move to our charming small town. The small town is called Dover. Uh, It's clearly Canada, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, It is such a special town, as the mayor says... The mayor kind of makes a point that um, if he didn't, he actually said this, you know, if I didn't live in this town, I'd be unemployable anywhere else. What does that mean? Like, you're that not good at anything that the only place you can exist is this tiny town where the everybody else is so unworldly that they've decided you're their mayor? It's it's an odd thing to say. The town doesn't have any personality, of course. It, um, 
It has a Christmas fair that kind of looks like the Union Square Christmas market, but much less crowded. Uh, everybody in town, like, there's no real colorful characters. There's no, like, fun, wacky guy that turns out to be Santa Claus or anything like that. Uh, it's just a small town, and there's a factory there, and somehow it's supposed to be really, really charming. Um I don't know. Didn't do it for me. I, I prefer my small towns to have, like, a lot of scenes set in one little diner where everybody loves the pie. We don't get that here, but the film tells us that this small town is really special. Now, the number three, uh, and other thing that you will never not have in this movie, this is a key ingredient, you can't, movies can't exist without this one, is your bland love interest, of course. Now, our bland love interest is... Bland. Uh, I'm not calling him vanilla because vanilla. I actually really like vanilla ice cream, and I think it's an ins- insult to vanilla ice cream to just to compare it to actor Steve Lund. I think is his name. Uh, he's had a few credits, nothing I recognize, uh, but I am pretty convinced. I I know I understand the career trajectory of this guy, or at least why this guy got involved in acting. My theory on Steve Lund is that he grew up in a small-ish town where uh, the high school was putting on, like, their annual production of Guys and Dolls, whatever their high school musical was. And typically, if anybody, you know, went to a non-performing arts school and tried to do musicals, they always had this problem where you could never get enough guys to audition. All the girls want to be Adelaide, but none of the guys want to be Nathan Detroit. And so this guy was maybe like a basketball player, and maybe he hurt his leg, and he had a teacher. The English teacher was like, look, Steve, why don't you try out for the school play? Because we could really use you there, and, you know, we know you're not playing basketball. So, you know, it it might be good to give you confidence with your public speaking and everything for when you go into law. Um, So, of course, he tried out, and, of course, I'm guessing because in this town it was like him and, like, the one token – uh, gay theater kid was the only other guy auditioning, so naturally this guy got the lead. And after that, it was just like he always got the lead because he was handsome and he could talk. But that's it. There is nothing to this guy. He's good looking. He's fairly tall, um, very you know prominent cheekbones and a strong strong jaw. But his voice. Remember in Interview with the Vampire how Brad Pitt like the tenor of his voice or the timber of his voice always stays at the exact same place. Um, that like Brad Pitt in interview with the vampire looks like Gary Oldman in any other movie compared to Steve Lund in this movie, boring man, uh, playing a very dull character. So his character is William, uh, inherited this company from his father. Uh, and again, our bland love, love interest goes one of two ways. As we know, if our lead is the corporate woman, then our bland love interest is the um, good-hearted man who does manual labor and never left his small town. But uh, if our lead is the young do-gooder, then, you know, if B, then C, um, our bland love interest instead is the poor little rich boy. So poor little rich boy inherited a company, doesn't know what to do with it, um... And so he, you know, also had a bad experience with Christmas because it was never really celebrated after his grandmother died. And he just doesn't have a heart or a pulse or anything. So therefore, when a young, attractive woman does things like decorate his house for Christmas, he says to her, and I quote, I've never had, I'm sorry, let me try to get to the voice. Hang on. I need to, um, I think I'm too dynamic to really do a good job of, uh, 
impersonating him, but it's basically, <clears throat> I've never had a woman challenge me like this before. All she did was decorate your house and say, hey, what if we modernize Christmas toys and then your factory can stay in business? And yet that's like the hardest thing that he has ever had to deal with in his life. I'm sorry, people out there who voted for Trump and who are wondering why all these bleeding heart liberals are upset about it. It's because just the point being, life's really not that hard if you're an attractive, wealthy white man. But I digress. So... Uh, boring guy. There he is. He's perfect for her. And that's it. Um, now that's, you know, those are the things that you will always have. You're always going to have one of those settings and these are your lead characters. Um, now I'm just running through my list of what else we get in here. What else we do get, don't get. Uh, my number four is montage. And sadly, this movie doesn't have one. It's a shame because nothing else happens. So it wouldn't have been that hard for them to have, edited together some things just to make it more interesting because everything's more interesting in montage form. We don't get it here. Uh, Number five is the sassy sidekick, which you always get. You never not get in these movies. In this one, we get one kind of, I guess. Um, There's a character who, there's a few like supporting women in this movie that are sort of there to help things. So one of them is William's, um, sort of like assistant, I guess she would have been his father's main executive assistant, so now she's his, and, you know, she's an older woman who's been working corporately for a while, but she's actually, like, not evil, shocking, so she's there to kind of lend good advice to him, and then on the other side is, like, the young uh, 20-something assigned to be Riley's driver, and she's just, like, she's too young and blonde and bland to really usually this is like where you allow a chubby actress in they don't let chubby actresses in this movie i don't know what the problem was um so there is a sidekick uh to call either of them sassy is kind of an insult to sassy women out there so i'm not going to but you kind of have like two halves kind of make a hole maybe i don't know uh we do however now number six guys this is a new one I had thought a lot about my list last year, and one thing that kept coming up that I didn't officially have on the list of things we need in this movie um, is the evil female character. Uh, Most of these movies do have one, and Christmas Incorporated does indeed have one. Now, your evil woman is typically one of two things. She is either uh, the current girlfriend of our male bland love interest. Usually that's if he's the poor little rich boy. Um, So she's typically like beautiful but stony beautiful and has no heart. Or she has to be some kind of like corporate evil rival for our lead or maybe like our lead's boss. Like typically like evil corporate woman somehow. Uh, In this case we get... We get that sort of. What we get is there's a character who is an ambitious reporter. Why? What, how one can be an ambitious reporter in this tiny town of Dover, I don't quite know. Um, but she's getting out, folks. She's getting out and getting to the big city. But in order to do that, she has to write some really negative stories about our poor little rich boy, Bland Love Interest. Um, so there is an evil woman. She is the villain. They dispose of her just by saying, you have to leave town. And she does, presumably to like get paid a lot working for the New York Times or something. 
Uh, but it's there. And again, it continues the theory that these movies put forth, which is that uh, any woman that is aggressive and ambitious in her profession is evil. So we're up to number seven, which is slapstick. Typically, we always have some kind of wacky slapstick involving, you know, maybe um, our, our corporate woman learning how to bake and making a mess of it. Uh, in this case, we actually don't get any. Um, the closest we get to is a car breaks down and then our spunky young lead proves that she knows how to, like, you know fix a broken down car. I think that's as close as we can come. It's not slapstick. I'm not counting it. So there. Uh, But number eight, um, another one that I added because I realized last year that every single Lifetime Freeform Hallmark movie involves some version of dead parents. Now, sometimes it's like our bland love interest has a dead wife and he's raising his daughter alone. More often, it is that our lead has, you know, was orphaned or parents died and there's some kind of big heartfelt moment of recognition where, you know, a sage old person, number nine, says, uh, you know, your mother would be very proud of you or something to that extent. Uh, In the case of Christmas Incorporated, our lead has living parents. We'll get to those next. But our bland love interest uh, does indeed have dead parents. So he inherited the company from his dead dad. Uh, We also find out that his mother died when he was very young, and that was very upsetting for him. Uh, But that then his grandmother raised him, and his grandmother loved Christmas and read him Twas the Night Before Christmas every year, and he still has the book. And then his grandmother fucking died on him. So therefore, ever since that day, he does not celebrate Christmas. And naturally, um, Riley will teach him again about Christmas, and he will at one point say, my grandmother would have loved you. I'm just sobbing at how beautiful it is. Uh, number nine uh, is our sage old person slash old people. As we know, every one of these movies has to have that voice of somebody over the age of, I'll say 50. I'm not calling somebody over 50 old by any means, but in the lifetime Hallmark world, if you're over 50, then you are essentially Montgomery Burns. So, the sage old, we actually have a couple in this movie. Um, I'll start in kind of like order of least importance. Uh, we have uh, the factory director we meet is a female, probably, I don't know, in her like 40s, but there's something about the film that kind of makes her seem very in charge and such. Uh, she gives good advice about uh, Christmas, I think. Uh, you have William's assistant, who I mentioned earlier, who gives sage advice about relationships and Christmas. Um, you have, most importantly, you have Riley's parents. Riley's parents, I think, have about five scenes in the movie, the first four of which is just them on the phone with her. And I really thought we were never going to see them in person together, that, like, they were filming in Ontario and she was filming in Ottawa and they weren't going to fly them out because of budgetary restrictions. But they do get a scene together. Now, what's fun about Riley's parents is they're very nice. They seem like a lovely couple, very supportive of their daughter, uh, give her good advice for the most part. Uh, Every single scene we see them in, they are wearing different, vibrant Christmas sweaters. Uh, It's impressive that anybody has that many of them because five changes every time. uh, Like we're talking like rainbow reindeer, which is a very nice gesture. Um, and they're always like complimentary to each other, which is actually kind of creepy. It's like there's people that jog together in matching suits, which I think's weird. Um, but they're always wearing sweaters. They're always either like baking cookies or decorating. They're basically Christmas 
as represented by two parents in their 50s, I guess. Uh, And then lastly, number 10, is the presence of Santa Claus. Now, often this just means, you know, a mall Santa Claus who shows up and does something of note. Sometimes it actually means real Santa Claus. I was kind of hoodwinked by this movie, I will say, because we meet a Santa Claus, the town Santa Claus. He seems to, he sits down and talks to William and seems to know a lot about him. And William says, how do you know this? And he says, oh, ho, ho, I'm Santa Claus. Uh, also, everybody knows you. You're the man who, if you decide you don't like us, is going to destroy this town. Ho, ho, ho. So I really thought, oh, cool, this is actually going to be Santa Claus. Um, but it's not, as far as I know, unless they ran out of time and realized afterwards, oh, shit, we were going to have a whole thing where he was really Santa Claus. No, but Santa Claus is in the movie. So the now that brings our total to, I think, 7 out of 10. Right, we did not have slapstick. We did not have a montage. Uh, we, I guys, remember, I'm really bad at math. I might have miscounted. No slapstick. No montage. Oh no, we're at like we're at eight, but I'm gonna say that the sassy sidekick is more like half point. So we're at seven and a half points out of ten for is this representative of this genre. However, um, something I'd like to add this year is a few bonus points a film can earn. Uh, so one of the bonuses, some things that show up often, but not always, they're not required of the genre, if you will, uh, is one thing, a public domain holiday song being played in the background a lot in clear cases where the movie just didn't want to spend money on like, I don't know, Rudolph or something that actually have to pay for. Uh, do we get that here? Yes, quite a bit. Bonus two is product placement, which you don't find in all of them, in some of the Hallmark movies, especially, like, their kind of showcase movies, it gets pretty heavy. Uh, in this one, again, not to my knowledge, unless the factory and the crappy toys they're making are real and you can buy them. I don't think you can. Uh, another bonus being the cloying child, which I used to have as one of the ten, but realized a lot of these movies don't involve kids, probably because the movies don't want to have to film around a child labor schedule and have an onset tutor. It just seems like an inconvenience. Same reason they rarely have animals in them. Um, so no children in this movie. That's fine. Uh, another bonus is ice skating. You kind of, it just shows up for no reasons quite often. And guess what? We get it here. So bonus. Uh, and the last bonus, and this is new, but I think it's very important, is um, any sign where the movie tips its hand that it was clearly filmed in Canada. So we had some last year, including my favorite accidental screenshot ever, where we saw that uh, a movie called Christmas in the City, the city being New York City, was actually filmed in Nova Scotia based on a character walking by a giant building that said Bank of Nova Scotia. Um, We don't get anything quite like that here, but I will say um, one of the supporting roles where clearly they have tax laws and have to hire Canadian actors for some parts. And when that actor says, I'm sorry, I know enough Canadians to know she's one of you, isn't she? Uh, So therefore this film was a seven and a half Uh, But then I'm going to add, for bonus points, I think you're going to be a quarter of a point, I guess is fair. So um, it does get two quarter point half, uh, no, actually three quarter points. Shit, that guy's, why are you making me do math? Um, I think that brings us to seven and a half plus one quarter plus one quarter plus one quarter is eight and a quarter, 8.25. So this movie meets the criteria eight 
82.5%, which makes it a clear representation of the Hallmark holiday cinema tradition. Uh, Do I recommend it? I feel like that should be something that we address. The answer is no. Uh, Again, I guess it's fine if um, you are trying to go to sleep, maybe. Um, It's not offensive. It doesn't have the, like, seething hatred for working women the way a lot of these movies do. Um, But it's just boring, And the leads have no chemistry, so there's not even that moment where you're like, ah, let me picture them fucking. No. They're just boring. Everything about this is boring. It's there. It's it's the epitome of these movies being less substantial than a spoonful of whipped cream, if you will. Uh... It was airing on Hallmark. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I don't know why I'm telling you this, because it's not like you're going to seek it out. You really shouldn't. I'm hoping we'll have some more exciting ones later. Uh, Maybe one with Lacey Chabert. She usually brings it, right? We can hope. Um, But that is it for Christmas Incorporated. Uh, We'll be back with more spins on these kinds of things. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Now, go Go save that small town like the good person you are inside.